The director wheezed softly. He was enjoying his lunch. As usual, he lunched alone, in his office, listening to opera. He lunched alone because he looked upon eating as a bodily function, most enjoyable when partaken of in privacy. Opera because he had always listened to opera, grown up on opera. His father had been a well-known tenor in his day, at least in provincial circles. Today, feeling rather passionate, if not actually lustful, he never felt lustful, not since his misfortune. He was absorbing the sounds of the great recording of Carmen with Rise Stevens. He hummed along as he carved at his veal chop, lathered with a sauce of tomatoes, green peppers, oregano, and capers, and occasionally directed the orchestra with his knife and fork. Halfway through the chop, he paused, patted his thick, naturally pursed lips with a sauce-flecked napkin. He was out of breath, like a jogger, though he had certainly never jogged. Eating had come to unwind him like sex once had. Since his unfortunate accident, he didn't move around as he once had, and far less exertion winded him far more quickly. Of course, he had grown unconscionably plump. Well, fat. Fat-ish. Three hundred and eleven pounds as of this morning. He'd put on a hundred pounds in two years. Where, he wondered, would it end? Well, what could you expect, really? A man had to indulge at least one of his senses, two counting the opera. Perhaps things weren't so barren after all. And what would he rather have done than followed a morning of extraordinarily absorbing plotting on an almost mathematical schematic with a fine lunch? Alone? He couldn't imagine. He listened thoughtfully for several minutes, tiny black eyes prowling ceaselessly deep in the puffy purple-bagged sockets. His eyes were the only part of him that got much exercise anymore. His eyes and his mouth. A man in his life, he supposed, did play many parts, and for the moment he felt a little like he suspected God must feel. Seeing all, committed only to the propagation of belief in himself. His gaze drifted to the broad, bullet and bomb-proof laminated window, to the vast green lawn stretching away from the bunker like the world's largest putting green. It amused him to know that it was heavily mined in case of trouble. All around him, the thick, civilized forests of New Jersey, across the Hudson, the upper reaches of the city shining in the spring sun. A brown Chevrolet sedan nosed up the long curve of driveway and disappeared into the parking lot. The cars these people used were so nondescript as to be virtual advertisements. Nobody bought such cars. They were issued. He worked on his veal chop for a few moments longer, sipped his wine, and the two men from the brown car were shown in by his secretary. The director nodded, but did not rise. Mason and Freeborg. They might have been robots for all the charm and wit they exhibited. 
In a way, they were machines, of course, chosen for their lack of charm, wit, or imagination. The profiles indicated they were highly disciplined, obedient, and violent when unleashed.